Hello, hello, Leah Pika here. Today's guest is here to showcase the analytics conference that needs to be at the top of your to-do list. Stay tuned to find out who's making waves on the Present Beyond Measure Show, episode 54. Welcome to the Present Beyond Measure Show, a podcast at the intersection of analytics, data visualization, and presentation awesomeness. You'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating analytics visualizations and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions and move you forward. If you're ready to get your insights understood and acted upon, you're in the right place. And now your host, Leah Pika. Hey there, welcome to the 54th episode of the Present Beyond Measure Show, the only podcast at the intersection of presentation, data visualization, storytelling, and analytics. This is the place to be if you're ready to make maximum impact and create credibility through thoughtfully presented insights. And today you are here either because you have a hankering to attend a conference that is going to totally level up your analytics game and help support a vital mission in our field of tech, or maybe you just really want to hear what today's guest's secret hobby is during the wildcard question. I got your number. So I'm actually going to jump right into this because I'm really excited for today's interview. It's the first time I've been able to feature a conference with such a valuable mission that I firmly stand behind, and I'll be teaching there as well. Let's get to it. All right, everyone, please help me welcome today's guest. She is the founder and CEO of Women in Analytics, an organization that increases visibility to women making an impact in the analytics space by providing a platform for women to lead the conversations around the advancements of analytical research, development, and applications. She's active and involved in fostering collaboration around emerging analytical methods and technologies, and she is also the recipient of the Columbus CEO's Future 50 Award. And she is running an amazing conference that needs to be on your radar for 2020, especially because I'm going to be there too. <laughs> and quite appropriately, she is the latest in my lineup of amazing practitioners in the Women in Analytics Spotlight. Please help me welcome Reagan Avon. Hello. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. And, you know, I'm really excited because this is the first time that I'm featuring a whole event on the show. You know, I've done, I don't know how many different conferences and events, but this particular one obviously hits really home for me as a practitioner. And I really just wanted to get the word out as much as possible to my analytics community and anyone else who might be listening. So I'd love for you to tell us your origin story first. How did you uh, develop such a passion of, of being a data practitioner? Yeah, I absolutely fell in love with the analytics and data space probably about seven years ago. Um, I was still in college at the time and I was studying industrial systems engineering and I was looking at, you know, my different options of where I wanted to take that type of degree. Um, and as I started taking more computer science classes, that's actually when I got introduced to data and analytics. 
um, which I kind of thought would have been through some kind of statistics course, but it was it was actually through computer science. Mm. So I was looking to to figure out ways that we could apply data and analytics to different use cases and just became absolutely fascinated by um, at the time it was the the hype was around distributed systems for for big data. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started there and kind of the data management aspect of it, but I started kind of seeing what all of these use cases derived around what can we do with this data mm. or applicable to. And I was like, wow, for somebody that, you know, does, that likes to, to, to research a bunch of different things, this was kind of the perfect field that I could dive into. I could look at healthcare, automotive insurance. I could look at all these different components and in, in industries that we're all using data to mm-hmm. make our lives better. And and that was just really fascinating to me. Oh, that's amazing. And then wanting to know all about this amazing conference. I'm so excited I'm finally getting to go. So it's June 2020, correct? That's and, right. And you know, how did the how did the women in analytics conference come to be and what was the role that you played in that? Yeah. So as I started getting super jazzed up about about analytics, I spent probably countless hours on YouTube watching other conference talks and like trying to learn these different topics. So I went out seeking for my own community um, in Columbus, Ohio. That's where I'm located. Um, And I did find a community, but it was um, a rather non-diverse one. Mm. And I was like, there's got to be you know, I read all these stats about how many women are in statistics and maybe fields that weren't considered analytics or data science yet. Yeah. And I'm like, there's got to be more people who are interested in this topic. So I started up my own um, own conference. It was kind of like an evening event and basically just to attract these types of people together. And it was kind of a selfish thing. Like I just wanted to meet more women in the in the field. Sure. Um, and I thought maybe 15 or 20 people would show up and like 120 people. And I was like, oh my gosh. So it's not just me who's looking for other people. There's 120 other people who are like, this is a need. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, you know, I would say that I was on mostly male dominated teams and departments, even in the digital side of companies. Uh, the one exception was my scholastic team. It was almost all women and it was the most fun job I've ever had in my life. Nothing has compared to that. Um, with the way when women support each other and really have each other's back, I don't think there's anything that's not possible. And, you know, I, I know what you mean. I, um, I did the keynote at the digital analytics hub a few years ago and I attended their roundtable for uh, the huddle for women in analytics. And that was absolutely the most enlivening conversation that I had attended. Yeah. And what's so interesting, I'm finding it's like this community of women in this particular space um, where we all kind of care about data and analytics. It's I've never seen a more supportive group Mm. uh, and like genuine group of people who are not, you know, so much focused on, um, they're just, they're really, really focused on the analytics aspect of it and that we all really care about it. We're really passionate about it. We want to share that with each other. And I think that's so great to just have that as the focal point. Yeah, of course. Awesome. So why is, is that why this event exists? Because 
women are craving this sort of community within their professional field? You know, what, what are you, what are some of the trends or experiences of women that you see that make an event like this so important? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. So one, we started, I was like, okay, if this event drew in that many people, you know, if we made the conference bigger, would, would even more people in Columbus or Ohio join? So the second year we sold out at 450 people wow. and then, yeah, it was amazing. crazy. It was like this huge <laughs> jump. And then the third year, um, which was the 2019, we, we sold out at 700 people. Oh. And this time we had people from five different countries flying into wow. the United States to attend. And, um, it's just, it's, it was a hypothesis of, you know, is this, is this community only, community only needed in Columbus or is this a global thing? Um, and then I started realizing as we started digging into this a little bit more, there's really a lack of um, women that exist as kind of thought leaders and mm. people that are driving the AI space forward. It's not that they don't exist. It's just that for some reason, there's just a lack of visibility to them. They're not at the forefront. And so though, that's right. So that's why, that's where the mission of the organization kind of turned into. It was not only are we building a community to help each other out, but um, it's really about this visibility component. That is so interesting. And you know what? There are a lot of different analytics, digital focused conferences, and many of them are, are amazing. But what I think, you know, what I think the story is here is how unique you made this particular event that there really isn't another one out there like that, like this in our field. So I really give you a lot of props for recognizing that need and that desire and then executing so well and, and getting so much buzz around it. It's amazing. Yeah, it has been um, quite the journey for sure. And I think um, the fact that we've kind of broken down the barriers of how how conferences typically select their speakers because we do have this like you must be you know a woman or gender minority in order to speak at the conference mm. um it's funny because you know there's a lot of conferences that say that they have trouble finding women speakers and yeah i mean we're six months out of the conference and we've gotten over 250 speaker applications wow that's amazing <laughs> like, there's definitely people that know there's there's women and, and gender minorities out there that know their stuff and they do want to speak and they feel welcome in this community to to get up on stage and talk about what they're working on yeah Exactly. And, you know, one of the lists that I refer to, especially because I'm, I'm really trying to round out my podcast show lineup, um, is there is a list on Twitter um, from Google Analytics, they made a really big list of women speakers. Um, oh, wow. And, and really well-known practitioners. So I'll definitely make sure that link is there as well, because that might be a great resource for events that are trying to balance out the ratio of it. Yeah, I can tell the trend is is headed in a good direction because there are a couple of studies done on the proportion of women um, represented in AI and analytics conferences, um, and the number's getting better, which is great. So I'm optimistic. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd love if you can send me a link if you have some of those yeah, studies. I would I love do. to put that as well. Awesome. So, you know, what are the challenges that you feel women, other than maybe a lack of connectivity. What other kinds of challenges are women facing in this tech-based and I would probably say still male-dominated or at least 
outwardly, like you said, outwardly male-dominated field? I think um, it's a couple of things. It's, you know, a, a lot of people will lump analytics and AI under this kind of tech umbrella, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it's it's really, I mean, if you go back to the the origins of it, it's, it's applied statistics to, to data and the fact that we've been able to capture more and more data um, as this kind of computational challenge. Mm-hmm. And with scale, we're having to see more of computer science blend into into that. So mm-hmm. it it is more and more umbrellaed under the, the technology umbrella. Um, and I think that that, you know, we're all pretty aware of the statistics of women in, in general tech companies. And so there's kind of a culture associated to that and AI and like analytics is starting to adopt that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a huge push for, you know, the large enterprise to start, um, having tons of initiatives around analytics and data science internally. So I think it'll, that'll help. But a lot of the people, a lot of the companies on the forefront who've been successful are kind of these data first companies like Uber and Lyft. And if we look at those cultures um, that were established kind of early on in those companies, we, I think the analytics field tends to adopt some of that challenge of the technology field Mm. uh, and what's already kind of been established there. So I think there's an, that's another kind of barrier to entry is that it's getting more and more computer science based mm-hmm. um, and that we're starting to some of the companies who have established this and are doing really well are, are tech first companies that, that have this of a cultural kind of divide. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Are there any organizations or companies that come to mind for you that are leading the charge in having a better balance in that area? That's a good question. Um, I mean, there are some some local companies I can reference um, that are that are kind of data science first companies. There, there's a company called Upstart which does a really great job of diversity um, and reaching out to communities. I mean, it's really a network problem. Is like, can you just you know find the right community mm. to tap into to find your talent? And they and they do a great job culturally um, setting up their organization and they're actually based out of San Francisco, but they have a presence here in Columbus too. And I think, you know, they're, they're doing it well. Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to definitely look that up. I I think it's really important to take note of the companies that are setting the example for that way to see like, what are, where are they winning? What are the challenges they're overcoming? How? So those, that's great. And, you know, I, I, it almost gets me a little emotional because, you know, I think about my mom who was the only female uh, grad student at Stevens for computer science (laughs) in her class and went on to be a satellite engineer at Bell Labs. And literally it was a desert of women. And there, I think about a lot of the struggles that she had that were just based on gender role. Um, you know, it, it, that's why missions like this and the fact that times are changing and shifting so much is so exciting. Yeah, there couldn't be a better time for an organization like this to to thrive and exist. I mean, yeah. for all of the women that kind of paved the way to get us to where we are today, where we're actually seeing some changes some fundamental changes, I think it's it's great. That's awesome. So who should attend this conference? 
Yeah, that's an excellent question. <laughs> there's a there's kind of a misconception, um, and naturally, uh, of the Women in Analytics Conference that that only women are allowed to attend, and that is not true. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's my next question. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. So the only aspect of the conference that is specific to to women and, and gender minorities um, is the speakers, um, and and that's on purpose. So. Mm-hmm. We do this because, you know, the visibility aspect is important, not just to other women. I mean, it's important for for men to see this as well. And the content we deliver is, is, you know, regardless of gender, um, it's applicable to absolutely anybody that's interested in in the analytics space. So, um, you know, I think that perception is um, needed for absolutely everyone. And so we're, we're trying to be as inclusive as we can and mm-hmm. push more towards this in- inclusivity yeah. um, and involving everyone in these conversations, which I think is, is what is going to push us to, to, you know, cohabitating yeah. and, and working well together. Um, like all of our scholarships and competitions are even open to anyone to, to submit and join. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're just really pushing that, that inclusivity. Um, yeah. And talk, talk about the scholarship a, a bit. Yeah. So there's quite a few scholarships that we, um, that we offer. So if you, if you don't live in Columbus, Ohio, and you want to come, we have a flying scholarship. So we'll pay for your flight to get here and we'll comp you a ticket as well. Um, and then there's student application process. So you, as a student, you can get a free ticket. Um, cause I know what it's like to be, uh, oh, that's so great. <laughs> um, <Poor. laughs> and then <laughs> the, the data science competition or the, sorry, the data visualization competition is, um, another way that you can attend, which is, is we're only on our third year of this and, um, We've just gotten so such great feedback about the this I'm competition. I'm so we, excited about the competition. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. So what's what's funny about the competition as well is the the original thought was um, kind of a, a, like an art gallery for data, mm. and so we wanted both like virtual submissions, which would be like a Tableau dashboard, but we also want really encouraged people to like think about different mediums that they mm. could express you know, data visualization yep. could be in like a form of a sculpture or, or something that's like data driven. We were and I was really like, I am not thinking out of the box. We haven't had any submissions like that so far. But the concept was that it was supposed to be like a gallery um, mm. that, that people could go through and and observe this these stories uh, through the expression of data. So that's an opportunity to to come as well and potentially win some money. So so the really big question I have is, are you accepting interpretive dance Ooh. as a medium? <laughs> we haven't gotten that one yet. I think uh, there's limitless potential. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so neat. You know, I, I've been missing the mark on just entering the competition. And I am so excited about the topic that I found. It's just the execution part and the actual output where I'm like, oh, I have to figure this out because it ends in five days. But um, am I allowed to to mention what the subject is? Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, I don't know if people are familiar with something called the Bechdel test for movies. I'm not. So I just learned about this recently where... Um, every movie is, is rated by someone out there, 
according to three criteria. And it is whether there's more than one, either one main female character or two female character. I'm blanking on that first one. Um, the second is that two women have a full conversation with each other. And the third is that the conversation is not about a man. And oh. <laughs> you'd be shocked how many movies fail this test. It's incredible. Wow. So I managed to extract with some help um, to extract all, all data, all of the rated movies back to the uh, late 1800s to wow. see how the production of movies have shifted and how the ratio of Bechtel passed Bechtel approved movies is happening. So the data is like the most exciting thing. It's just the actual like figuring out all the different calculations and visuals that I want to do, but I'm super yeah, excited. That's fascinating. That's awesome. I love when um, submissions are, are like, they're exposing some kind of kind of like meta <laughs> right <laughs> idea about <laughs> about women and empowerment right, and, about women. and all that it's it, so great it yeah. was really fascinating to dive into to see which directors fail more than pass which movie studios um you know interesting stuff around disney in there you know it's really it is so cool so I'm yeah so that's excited. awesome <laughs> i'm excited so by the time this airs it might actually be out for uh for judging and everything, but it's just an amazing thing to participate in. My uh, my mentee that I'm mentoring through the Digital Analytics Association, I'm helping her with her entry as well. So we're both really psyched about it. Oh, super cool! Yeah, we get we get some serious like there are some really emotional um, mm. submissions we get sometimes too that are very personal to that person's you know story. Oh wow! Um, and and those are always really interesting. We do uh, like a full anonymous assess assessment of all of the the submissions, mm -hmm. um, and and then we do have the live voting on our website for for the top five to to come to the conference. So there's a couple of rounds that I, that I has to get through, but there's the submissions are usually just so interesting to look through. Well, I think it's so important to have these outlets simply for participation because. The more opportunities you have to practice, and sometimes it's just really fun to not look at your own company's data <laughs> for oh, yeah. the empty time, but actually pursue an analysis that feeds into a passion that you have. I think it's really amazing that you've created that forum as well. Yeah, we well, I think part of it was like, how well rounded can we get about this word analytics? Because like, mm. we know that's such a broad term. Yeah. So like, when when we talk about it, people are like, so what do you include in that? Is it data science? But mm. we I mean, we try to hit everything, which right. is where this competition kind of sprouted from. That's awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to go back to something you were talking about with uh, being inclusive with men, which I think is so important. I'm not team woman. I'm definitely team human. And I would imagine that the men that are going to attend or be attracted to this conference are going to be ones that are really invested in helping to support both sides of the equation. So how's that been in terms of the men showing up for this? Yeah. So we had... Um and I think because it's kind of a less tension, <laughs> era, like 
ecosystem and environment, it, it feels more welcoming. And we did some surveys as well, because of, of course, we want to track um, you know, how well we're doing in this department. So we did a survey last year and um, 100% of the people that filled out the survey, they were you know, both men and women and even um, gender minority, all mentioned that they felt accepted and welcomed at the conference, which That's is awesome. super, super important to us. Um, we, you know, we try to establish that, that pretty clearly upfront that if you're going to be there, you know, we expect everyone to, to be welcoming of everyone. Um, but it's interesting because the, I've gotten some feedback too, where people are like, I totally forgot I was at a women in analytics conference mm. just cause like the content is so good. It's just and, a like, great conference. <laughs> yeah. It's just an awesome analytics conference. Mm, and, great. and I, t I forgot that all the people on stage were women. <laughs> <laughs> They're so, just people, <laughs> which yeah. is great. I mean, that's yeah. that's also pushing towards what we want, right? This kind of normalized view, gender blindness. We're trying to normalize this view of of women talking about critical aspects of that are going to affect our society, like how you know legislation is going to mm. form around artificial intelligence and and how we're not going to get um, you know left behind in representation when when companies are making critical decisions about implementing these right. algorithms. So I think just normalizing that view is, is a huge part of it. But we've gotten the second year, we had about 25% of our attendees were men, wow. which was awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think the biggest barrier we, we hit is through marketing. <laughs> <laughs> we, we try really hard to yeah. let everyone know that you can absolutely attend. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we're still navigating that. I would imagine that word of mouth is a big part of that, you know, if, if an organization maybe has a speaker in the lineup or has women interested attending that they're going to be like, guys, this is the, this is the place to go. If we really want to show up. Absolutely. I think there's, there's the baseline motivation for men to obviously want to support this initiative, which I think is great. But then there's also the motivation that they have personally, which is just to obtain more knowledge in this mm. space that they care about. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping with the double motivation there, we can get more <laughs> men in attendance. That's amazing. So what yeah. kind of roles and organizations can people expect to network with there? That's a great question too. So the demographics of people that, that attend, um, we have, I think majority is falls under the category of like analysts or, um, data scientists. Mm, okay. um, we have a decent amount of engineers that attend as well. I think that's mainly due to the fact that a lot of companies who are, you know, tinkering with analytics and machine learning still consider their employee to be labeled as an engineer. Yeah. Um, even though they may still be doing a lot of stuff in the analytics realm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we get a, a decent amount of kind of the director C level, um, folks in attendance also. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So more stakeholder a, level. Yeah. We do have a strategy track, um, oh, cool. that we, that we absolutely love. Um, and we usually put that one on the main stage. So even if you feel like, okay, I'm not super technical. I don't know if I should go to this. Mm -hmm. uh, we have tons and tons of kind of higher level strategic uh, conversations around analytics as well. That's awesome. It sounds like you've really tried to think of a, a really nice variety of different types of attendees, but focus on the issues that they're going to care about the most. Yeah, for sure. And we've gotten, and we've obviously collected and analyzed data of what people want to hear about. Um, so <laughs> of course you're analyzing. <laughs> so we factor Shocking. that in, of course. 
Um, and so, yeah, we hope, you know, we're touching on everything. I think one miscon another misconception is, is um, around these topics of data mm. and data management and, and, and supporting infrastructure. We also touch on topics uh, of data as well. So, mm -hmm. so fairly broad. <laughs> That's, and it's awesome. It's broad, but it also feels like it's specific enough where it's not all over the place. Right. Feels focused. Um, so who is in your lineup that you're excited about? Can you share oh, any man. names? <laughs> so many. Um, so we'll have a total of around 47 speakers this year. Nice. Um, so that's, very exciting for us. Mm -hmm. We have um, a VP from from IBM. Um, her name's Ritika Gunner, and she is awesome. Not only is she like her background is astounding, but she's also a huge advocate for women in the analytics space. And mm. she's been, um, you know, she discusses that publicly, which I think is great. Um, awesome. We also have uh, Dr. Farrell Ozell, who um, was on the team that essentially. Uh, generated that first image of a black hole ever. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. That was like the keynote. most exciting thing that happened that week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, she, so she's keynoting this year and I am, wow. I mean, from the conversations we've, we've had just about, you know, forming kind of the, the center core of the talk. It's, it's so much of data science has come out of, um, of her space yeah. that, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> but has come out of the area that she works in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I just want to hammer home this idea that, that we, that as an organization is assessing the types of technologies they need to solve these problems, um, that there's a very strategic way to do that. Mm -hmm. So typically there's like a hype cycle about new technologies that get, um, you know, popularized, like for example, like neural networks. Mm -hmm. And so people just kind of want to use these tools for, for tons and tons of use cases that may not be applicable. Mm -hmm. So she's going to kind of walk through that uh, process of assessing mm -hmm. algorithms and methods and, and technologies based off of your situation. Oh. Um, and so she's going to use kind of the, the black hole image project oh. as the example I'm going to so, be like front with popcorn, like <laughs> making a mess. <laughs> so many questions for her. Oh my gosh. Um, there's, there's a, the, the main panel discussion is going to be super interesting as well. We've got, um, there's someone we're still, uh, locking in, but, but I'm, I'm optimistic we'll, we'll get her, but, uh, essentially it's around this, this topic of how, um, you know, law firms are adopting the strategy, um, around AI when it goes wrong. So ah. how do you, like, what kind of method do you apply in assessing the, the situation where, um, you know, maybe you were sold an algorithm and, uh, it didn't work as you thought it might. And yeah. so is that a communication issue between the vendor and the person that bought mm. it? And there were real implications by using it. Um, and so I think that there's, from a, from a like law perspective, there's still a lot that we need to figure out on who's liable for some of the outcomes that happen through these kind of like black box algorithms. Of course, I, I mean, it, I've, AI is, must be the Wild West for 
law. (laughs) (laughs) It's like bleeding over the cliff edge. And um, that's great that you're incorporating something that's such a such a relevant topic right now. Um, Because I would imagine lawyers are tearing their hair out over (laughs) trying to stay not even stay ahead, but just keep up. Yeah. And and a lot of, um, you know, state level government, um, they're still looking at data privacy policies. Mm. I mean, we're still on this topic of, you know, what's going to work in this kind of data privacy aspect as well. So even going back to just data capture and storage and and where is it said and who owns it and who's allowed to do what with it, um, you know, that's still a huge topic of discussion as well. Yeah. Oh, man. I have a feeling I'm going to really enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great speakers. Great conversations too. So speaking of which, you know, what other, other than just regular sessions, do you have any other kinds of sessions or activities that you have planned that people can look forward to? Yeah, tons. Um, We'll have an opening party this year, which I'm excited about. So we're doing, um, we were trying to think of more ways that we could get because uh, we had got all these great applications and we can only, you know, take so many speakers. Um, yeah. And so we're doing uh, poster sessions that people can also apply to. So hmm. you can do kind of an academic poster if yep. that's something you're interested in. Um, we also have, um, as I mentioned, the data visualization competition is a great way to interact. And then we're, we're hosting our second annual um artificial intelligence showcase. And so this is an opportunity for companies to get their products, um, in front of a, an audience. Um, and so typically we see a lot of startup companies interested in this because they're looking for product feedback or they're trying to recruit people who might be interested in helping them develop it. Um, but larger companies are welcome to, to do this as well. It's a great way to demo your product Mm -hmm. um, to an audience that potentially would want to use it. Um, but the, the criteria is really around if, you know, the, the product is driven by AI in some capacity or enables creation mm-hmm. around it. So, um, you know, it could be a deployment tool. It could be something like data robot that actually does kind of this automated, um, machine learning process, mm. um, or it could be, you know, a consumer facing product that is using AI in some capacity. So. It's fairly broad in that sense, but we have that as well. Um, and then we are working in some actual specific networking events throughout the conference that we're really excited about this year. It's new. So we'll have um, a genius bar <laughs> nice. um, that are able to, um, the basically they're giving, they're donating their time to us. And, um, you can sign up for a slot, like a 20 minute slot with them to just ask them whatever. Um, so I'm excited for that. And there's some additional, um, networking facilitated events that we're going to be doing as well. May I also suggest a karaoke competition? Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) There was one at, uh, the Weba Quebec conference that I did, um, this fall and in the midst of a total blizzard and a really challenging trip up there it was like the total high point oh that's awesome i love karaoke (laughs) and now a short break with a message brought to you by me a new year means fresh budgets for training and professional development how are you going to spend yours 
So if you manage a team of digital practitioners or are responsible for their learning curves, a workshop with me would make a solid investment in how data stories get presented for maximum impact in your organization. Other workshops focus only on general data visualization or presentation, and they don't necessarily address the unique challenges in the digital marketing and analytics roles that I lived in for over 12 years. So give me two days and I'll give you and your team a powerful neuroscience-backed toolbox for planning, designing, and delivering digital data presentations that inform decisions and inspire action. So to find out more about my training services, please hop on over to leahpika.com slash workshops and reach out today. Well, I mean, it sounds like you've put together such a thoughtfully organized and, you know, attendee oriented event. And I'm just so thrilled. So I'll be actually giving the workshop beforehand on data presentation. And I'm just so excited to become part of this finally. And so all the links to register and sign up will be on the page for this. Um, and now I want to I want to learn a little bit more about you. You know, I know this isn't your full time job. So what else keeps you busy? Because I'm sure you're not insanely busy. <laughs> to begin <Right>. with. <laughs> yeah, this um, I think some people come to come to come to find out that this is not my full-time gig mm-hmm. <laughs> usually later on. It seemed but, like it. <laughs> um, yeah, I absolutely, um, you know, I'm a practitioner of this and, and that's what drives me and keeps me passionate about building a community around it is um, I also get to benefit from this community. Mm-hmm. So it's great at just the amount of people I get to meet. But um, my, my background is really in this, um, you know, for a long time, I've been focused on, on how are we implementing machine learning at a large scale? And so what does the underlying technology look like um, with all of these, you know, data management systems and um, these tools that are both open source and proprietary around generating um, machine learning models? How do we kind of come to a common ground of assessing these and deploying them? And so that's where I spent a decent amount of my time was really around the technical challenges, but also the kind of the organizational challenges that that these large enterprise companies are facing around just getting their models to be used. Yeah, sure. Um, so I spent years um, working on that problem, and, and recently I started a new venture. Um, I'm working for a startup in Columbus called MobiKit, mm-hmm. and um, we're just looking at essentially telematics data. So data that's coming off of uh, vehicles and being emitted off of vehicles. Oh, that's so interesting. So, I mean, I never, I guess you see all of these kind of subtle signs of the change in mobility and how we're getting from one place to another. But Mm. I guess until you're like hyper-focused on it, it is such a drastic change Yeah, and it's going to continue to to be very drastic. Um, And so just, just the the individual trends of this kind of like micro mobility where there's all these um, ride shares and there's obviously the, the lime scooters that are moving around <laughs> now. And yeah. Uber and Lyft came into the market as well. We're starting to see kind of this um, different change in mentality about how to get from one place to another. Mm. And so all the data being emitted off of these vehicles, we need to understand it fully. And that's, that's the problem. I'm, I'm helping to tackle now. 
So, well, you know, that's an interesting problem. It's one of those things that I see could have huge benefits. Um, you know, we're, our cars are being, our driving habits are being tracked by our insurance company. Yeah. And, you know, it's hilarious to kind of check on the app and see like a very like dubious, like, mm, meh kind of face come up for your, yeah. you're like, oh, darn. Um, but there's also the privacy aspect too. It's like, you know, the idea that people or data centers somewhere know where you're going or know where you are. That's at right. All times I would imagine privacy comes up as a yeah. Issue. That's why a decent amount of the innovation actually is happening in commercial. So if you think about all uh, okay. of the, yeah, it was on Prime drivers, there's, <laughs> right? There's there's a lot um, there's a lot going on in the commercial space, which is super fascinating, and it'll I think it'll eventually bleed over into how we personally get around. Mm. Um, but you're right, the privacy piece is the number one concern yeah. there. So, um, and rightfully so, I mean, yeah, there are, and there are very specific technical challenges to this type of data as well. And even visualizing it, which I think oh. you'll appreciate, uh, <laughs> it's data that that's spanning over time and, and space. Mm -hmm. So, wow. you know, we're moving in different directions over a certain amount of time. I mean, overlaying things like weather and traffic is like non-trivial. Oh, wow. So, Yeah. That those are some of the the challenges that we're tackling um, on a day to day. Well, speaking of time and space, you know, you had mentioned that you're building this product that is visualizing data with space and time. So, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so we do have. There's two kind of ideas that I'll that I'll mention about this. The first is this idea of like data fusion which is what I was talking about in order mm -hmm. to actually visualize all of these individual kind of independent data sets yeah. into one place, we need to join them somehow. Mm. Uh, and so this idea of joining, you know, weather conditions at a very specific time in a very specific place to you driving your car, um, <laughs> you mentioned very non-trivial. Um, and on top of that is visualizing it. And so, you know, when you think about filters, we can start to filter on um, geography, and then we can also start to filter on time and see um, and play play that visually. So we can do like a 3D map almost of different variables of attributes that are happening at any given time and play that over a, a series um, of days or weeks. Um, and there's things that get like pop out at you visually that you're like, wow, that's super interesting. I can't uh, imagine. And so just, just trying to get that into this exploratory data analysis process for data scientists who are working with telematics data. Um, I think that's, you know, we're really focused on doing that well. That's awesome. What was like, give me an example if you can of something you saw in this data when it all worked and you were like, whoa, didn't expect yeah. that. So there's certain areas um, in in Columbus specifically that you can kind of point to and um, and be like like basically the the density of accidents that happen in certain areas and then if you overlay that with alternative um, modes of transportation mm. like bus stops for example um, where if you're you know an insurance provider or something you could say 
look, it's going to be less risky on you to go through this area and you could take the bus if you're going to, you know, at this time of day, um, you could just take the bus alternatively because it's going to be less risky for you as a driver. Um, and so I think there's, there's some of that that you see that you're like, it, you know, the red area, and then you see all the bus routes along that area and you're like, Oh, and then all the businesses that, that are mm. surround that area, you're like, that's, that's fascinating. Or a ride share, you know, company that right. can, can bulk take Carpool. people. Right. Um, so that, that was really fascinating. Um, there was another instance where you could look at, you know, an analysis of, of weather and whether or not people were, were distracted during a thunderstorm or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can start to see when people get more focused on driving, <laughs> when people um, are feel relaxed enough to where they could look at their phone or text somebody or... Um, so that's also really interesting. That is interesting because you, I would think that bad weather would automatically result in more accidents, but it's true. I'm not focused on anything else except my white knuckle grip on my steering wheel, especially (laughs) with some of the rainstorms we get around here. So, wow. I I love when data just shows you something that counteracts a story that you might've had. That's so cool. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I've never been very um, well versed in the data visualization side. I've always been kind of more on the technical implementation. So this is definitely newer to me, but it's super interesting. All right. Awesome. And then I think you very recently did a a TED talk or? Yes. Congrats. Congrats. Oh, so excited for you. (laughs) So yeah, that was definitely an interesting experience. And there were some kind of meta, uh, oh, yeah. things that existed in that as well. I mean, one of the, um, that came, became very obvious to me as I was preparing for it. One of my slides was literally a microphone and like a not equal to stats because I think, you know, just because you're really, really talented and, and technical, or maybe you're an, an expert data scientist or researcher, doesn't mean you can communicate what you're working on well. No. And so, <laughs> I mean, I think that's an obvious statement once you say it, but it's, I think it's one of the barriers to entry for, you know, people who are working on really cool stuff is just to like, to get on a stage, you have to be able to, to tell a story. Um, and you know, we provide free speaker coaching for all of our speakers, Mm -hmm. something that we do as a conference. And it's something rare that not a lot of other conferences. I know. I loved when I saw that. (laughs) Yeah. So we do that because, you know, we want access to people who are working on really cool stuff. And if, and if you've never had to prepare it as a presentation, Mm -hmm. we don't want that to be a reason that you don't, um, you know, apply. So and then I personally went through that doing this TED talk. I'm sure because you have to have a coach, right? <laughs> I'm not a great public speaker. Um, and oh, I've given technical talks before. And I love technical talks. I've even taught, you know, uh, courses on data science and web development mm-hmm. in front of a, a, a large audience. But when it comes to like telling a story, mm. even if there's like an emotional aspect to it, mm-hmm. I it's it's harder. It's so much harder. And I underestimated mm. that completely. Um, but yeah, the storytelling aspect is so key. And just that exercise of going through speaker coaching was, um, a great experience. 
Well, that's amazing to hear. And I also love that you're doing that because I think that it's only going to also improve the conference experience for the attendees. I mean, the speakers right. speakers are the capital of, <laughs> of each conference. So when you are creating an, you know, a really top shelf experience, not only do the speakers benefit, but the attendees get the most out of the stories that are hidden in those amazing brains, you know? I know that's exactly right. <laughs> and the counter. So the way other conferences do this is they say, you must've spoken before and we want mm. links to your talks, uh, right? Yes. So, and that's, that further narrows the pool yeah. of people who can even get through that. So I think there's a couple of ways to approach it. You can help fix, you know, you can yeah. help solve that or provide resources for people, or you can make a criteria that they've already have experience with it. And then you end up with these very like tight knit clicks of speakers that are right. the, <laughs> that are the, the headlining every conference that you go to. And that can be fun. Um, but it definitely, I think, opens doors for so many people. And it's another, yet another thing I appreciate. And it, it's so true. You know, storytelling is probably the practice that I'm most passionate about in life in general. And even though it's like the most ancient way that we humans have of passing down wisdom and entertainment, it is an actual language that you, I see it as a separate language. You have to learn how to speak as if you know English, but you want to speak French. It's just <laughs> different mechanics. There's everything from planning the story, the narrative structure, the narrative arc that happens, the rise and the fall to like the visual support that you're bringing, but then also the confidence that you're bringing, the trust and rapport you're building with the audience. It's just its own, its own microcosm. Really. I totally agree. I was at the TEDx Columbus um, watching some of the talks and one speaker jumped out at me specifically merely because of the way that he um, delivered the talk. Like the content itself was absolutely awesome, but his delivery was amazing. Like just <laughs> yeah. the way he established confidence and trust with the audience and then conveyed his message. Mm. It was so I agree with you. It's an art. It's completely an art that that is not technically an intuitive one. No. No, kind yeah. of like parenting. <laughs> we may be built to be parents, but we do not know the language of parenting. Yeah. It's to be learned. So this is why we were seeking, you know, people like you to to do the workshops too, because um, it, they storytelling and data go hand in hand. Yep. Like if you can't communicate what's happening, or if you miscommunicate what's actually happening, there's yeah. a lot of um, issues with that, mm -hmm. and uh, so that's why we we find it so important. Woohoo! One hundred percent. Yeah. So I actually have um, a question for you. Um, oh. I am curious, how did you make your way into storytelling? And, um, and then my next question would be, you know, if you had to give one, one tip about storytelling that, that the listeners could walk away with today, what would it be? Mm. Oh, gosh, do you have a year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, first of all, I love when people turn things, turn the tables on me and I'm totally unprepared. It's so great. Um, well, it's kind of funny. It's not, it was kind of the other way around. I didn't start in analytics and fall into storytelling. To me, 
I started in storytelling and I fell into analytics and I eventually found where they intersected. So I have a long, deep background in musical theater and dance and classical voice training. But other than that, I was always the kid at the family dinners, always rehashing every story from all of our family trips. And man, we had some whoppers. <laughs> but, you know, just from a very early age, I was very attuned to the power of telling a story. And I, after telling them over and over, I would see the kinds of mechanics and dynamics that made them really compelling. So I had a lot of practice before I came in. And then when I fell into analytics, you know, I had to cut my Broadway aspiration short, but um, I noticed that we had to present uh, our data. So the good news was, was that I had the confidence and I was accustomed to being in front of people and speaking, but I would fall totally flat in terms of like keeping people engaged or getting people to take action afterwards, which was really frustrating. And then I had this like total eureka moment when I had to do a presentation in Prezi once and realized the whole paradigm that I had learned just from being in the corporate world of very crammed slides with tons of charts and tables and bullet points and checkerboard transitions and all these exciting PowerPoint features. Um, I just understood that there's kind of like this ep silent epidemic of a skills gap in that whole piece. And I'd like put every number I had in my platform in there and just go one th after the other. So when I started to learn um, in terms of visual storytelling and I was like, oh, there are elements that I love from movies and TV shows that because I'm a huge movie buff, too. I can see how to weave some of these elements into this because it's one of a meeting is one of the only gatherings we have as a species where there's no entertainment, really. Mm -hmm. Weddings and, you know, party, birthday parties, there's always a form of entertainment bonding, but not in meetings. And I think, you know, I'm not necessarily telling people to tap dance their story. You can try that. Um, but there are absolutely ways to incorporate um, story structure, anticipation, surprising twists of events, even character roles um, that are really, really effective. Um, mm. If I had to give one tip, I just actually uh, gave this to my mentee because she was struggling with having like a starting with a giant block of data and trying to find a story in there. And she was like, I don't know where to start. Because a lot of times we're asked questions, but a lot of times we're just asked, like, tell us what's going on, you know? What's interesting? <laughs> you're like, it's interesting is that question is interesting. Um, <laughs> so what I like to do sometimes is I like to imagine that I am having tea or a drink with the data. Like I imagine this cube, three-dimensional cube of Excel table data sitting in front of me on a bar stool or coffee shop or something. And I know what the topic of the data is. 
And I imagine having a conversation, like a human to human conversation. And I think, what are the questions I would ask this data if it were a real person? So this Bechtel test data is a great example of this. If I sat across from a person who knew from the last, the beginning of the movie industry, how women are represented according to these criteria, I'd be sitting there and being like, well, which movie studios kind of maybe are are leading the charge and representing women more effectively? Mm. Which actors are participating in movies that are not, who, who are the winners and the losers kind of in that camp? And like, you know, would it surprise me with certain directors? Has thi- how, how have things shifted over the last 30 years? You know, have the ratios shifted? Are we trending upward or downward? So I, this is how I would talk in a conversational capacity if there was a person who knew everything, like a Siri. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite ways to just get started. And it also kind of puts you in a relaxed state. You're not tense trying to think of something to find. You're more like, oh, yeah, like, how would I how would I talk about this? Or if someone was asking you about this data set, like, what kinds of stuff would you want to answer? You know, like that sometimes can get you over a hump of just seeing the wall, as I call it, when it's just a bunch of numbers, but actually understanding what the mystery is that's locked in there. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm such a questioning person. Typically, I have a thousand <laughs> questions for people, which is probably why I found myself in as, this field. As an analyst, really? Huh. Right. That's <laughs> so that, that helps because when you add that human element to it, it beca- it feels more natural. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And then translating that into like queries or whatever is kind of the easy part. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why that's helpful is because the, the uh, recipient of the information is also going to be a human being. Right. So starting with a human question and ending with a human answer is really going to give you a leg up with just a place to start. Yeah, absolutely. That makes tons of sense. I I noticed too, in my experience doing these types of deliveries to like C-level folks is I started asking myself, well, what do they care about Mm -hmm. too, to kind of blend in? Because there's a million questions you can ask, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. what does this person who's asking me to do this care about? What's going to make them successful? Right. Yeah. What's keeping them up at night? Mm -hmm. Right. That might be, maybe they're not telling you something about a project that they're working on or there's no context there. So yeah, I think between those two things, you can start to filter, you know, what, what do you start with? Yeah. (laughs) That's nice. I'm finding that one of the most productive questions that I can ask a stakeholder is like, what's got you fired up right now? What's got you excited right now? And you'd be amazed, like, that's a very different question of like, what do you need or what do you want in this? It's just tapping right into the fire, whatever is stoking the flame at that particular moment. Yeah, kind of the more systemic questions that mm-hmm. might derive some of the questions they're ask- actually asking. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than, yeah. can you give me every number? Just give right. me all the numbers. <laughs> That's great. All right. So this is our final question. Think hard. Imagine this very plausible scenario. 
You are scuba diving the mysterious blue hole in Belize when you suddenly get sucked into a vortex that pulls you back to the moment you're about to deliver your first presentation. What are you presenting about and what would today you say to yesterday you? It's funny you say that because I actually did swim the blue hole earlier this year. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I did in Belize. But you did not get is you did not get did not get sucked into a vortex, but oh. I will pretend I did. Okay. I'll take myself back to that moment. Okay, cool. And pretend I did. Thank you. Um, yeah, the first presentation that I delivered. It's interesting. It it brings me back to um, a class I took in college. And, um, I mean, I guess the first ever one would bring me back to when I was like seven. (laughs) (laughs) We're going way back. (laughs) That one, I made a case, a financial case to my dad about buying a hamster. (laughs) Oh, if you can find the PowerPoint for that, I would be. I I actually have. Oh, no. Comments for it. Oh my God. Please send it. (laughs) I will. I'll try to to take pictures of it because it's really funny. Um, but the, the presentation in college, we were given uh, a task. It was actually through a, a Lean Six Sigma course. And um, we had to do a whole project on essentially assessing complexity of Starbucks orders oh. and that, how that impacted um, like basically cycle times of getting a, a coffee drink. Oh, so, wow. Uh, and so it was just a rather small data set, uh, and we were looking for like statistical significance for mm-hmm. some of this, um, and essentially trying to to display, um, you know, actions that that uh, a theoretical coffee shop owner would make mm-hmm. uh, to to how many coffee grinders they had and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so I just remember presenting like the stats, like the P values and like <laughs> all of these like detailed right. data points. And the and my professor at the time was like, okay, so I know you did the work and that's great, but like mm. I have zero conclusions from this. Mm. So it was it was one of those things where I was like, I w- had worked so hard to like analyze all the data and and organize it to what I thought was interesting and then just take that data and put them on slides. Mm-hmm. And myself today would <laughs> definitely advise against that um, because typically people don't care. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the hardest. They don't, they care, but they don't care immediately. And yeah. so if they ask, you should have it ready. But the, the actual very specific data points, unless they're asking you to back it up and like, mm-hmm. They want to make sure that you've done the work correctly. Yeah. They don't want to see that. They want to see the conclusions. And some of the sometimes the conclusion is like there's not enough data, mm, and so I yeah. can't make that that's a tough one. It is a tough one. And so here are some suggestions on uh, what to do next. Um, or here's my actual conclusion. I'm making a recommendation. Um, it maybe doesn't even have to be as far as a recommendation, but here's the data that you could conclude that a recommendation would be to mm. add a few more coffee grinders into the assembly line. And here's, you know, I started thinking about, you know, I would think about like monetary value of that as well. Like mm. an investment for this particular recommendation would be X. And so I think just adding context around business context around data is what I would go back and tell myself to do. <laughs> Right. That's incredibly valuable. And also in terms of saying what you need to come to a conclusion, 
Yeah. You know, like I, I more more times than I can count was saying we missed out on this. This was a gap, but here's what we need in order to make this complete. Yeah. For next time around, which for sure. Um, wow, that is so interesting. And you know, I I draw a lot of comparison to major love stories like Game of Thrones and you know Star Wars and and things like that. And when I think about the complexity. On the one hand, practitioners and presenters, we want our audience to know how hard this was. Yeah, you're so right. <laughs> how long it took us, how complex all the sets we had to pull. And and I get that. And, you know, that feeds into kind of the human core need for significance, right, which is a vital need. And I think the reality is, at least in my experience, for the most part, audiences, if they're watching Game of Thrones, a small fraction of them will care about how they animated the dragons and made so many people, made so many deaths look so realistic <laughs> and all of that. But for the most part, they just want to know what happens in each episode. They want to hear the actual story. Yeah, that's right. And I think there's... Um as you mentioned, it's, it's hard to convey like the technical details and work that goes into getting these conclusions. And like, this is, you know, a lot of times people are trying to justify, this is why it's taken us three or four months That's to a do good this. Point. Mm -hmm. And so it's, there's, there's some benefit in that to just help set expectations for the future, or, or at least identify ways that you could have potentially drawn a conclusion, conclusion quicker. Yeah. But um, aside from that, probably, probably <laughs> too much detail. Tell your boss, <laughs> put it in your review. <laughs> 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 well, that, that's, that's wonderful advice. And part of the fun of that question is hearing what people were first presenting about. It's just yeah. so fascinating to see the journey they've been on. Well, Reagan, our time has run out, but I really enjoyed this conversation. Got me fired up I, about the conference and also just about what's happening in the industry. And I'm sure the listeners are too. So why don't you let them know where they can keep up with you? Yeah, 100%. So um, with uh, Women in Analytics, you can find us on um, womeninanalytics.com. So that's our, that's our website. And you can find all sorts of information about us on there. Um, we also have a Twitter and LinkedIn, um, which you can find through easily through the website as well. Um, and we also have a Facebook. Um, so you can oh, find nice. us. On I don't think I need that. <laughs> um, and an Instagram now as well. <laughs> We've done a huge marketing push this year. That's awesome. Um, so you can follow us on, on all of those social media accounts that you can find through our website. Yeah. Awesome. Well, all of those links, registering, competition, scholarship, all of it will be on the show notes page for this episode and, you know, do what you can clear the plate, ask your boss, whatever you need to do to attend this conference next June. Reagan, I'm so honored to be a part of this. And I just really want to say that I really see you for the contribution that you and your organization are making to this field for women and for men. Oh, great. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to, to have this conversation too and catch up um, because we're still six months out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We plan ahead as analysts, right? Yeah, we're very fortunate to, to have you participate. And thanks again for inviting me. This is great. My pleasure. 
Wow, what a fun and enlivening session. Well, I hope by now you're giving serious thought to attending the Women in Analytics Conference this year. I'm so excited I can finally play my part as well, and I'd absolutely love to meet you. Clearly, this is a can't-miss event. So to catch all of the links to register for the conference and resources mentioned in this episode, please visit the show notes page at leahpika.com slash 054. I would love if you could leave me a comment or suggestions because I want to hear about the challenges you face when presenting information. And if you've liked what you've heard, I ask please to take one second and hop on over to iTunes to subscribe, leave a rating, and maybe even a review. They are so appreciated because they help the show get seen by other practitioners who need this information, and it lets me know that I'm track. And I read my favorite reviews on future episodes. And I'll leave you with today's presentation inspiration by... Mary Wollstonecraft, and that is, men and women must be educated in a great degree by the opinions and manners of the society they live in. All right, so this may not be about presentation, but I'm sharing this quote in the spirit of this episode because I'm not sure I agree with it. (laughs) You know, I think that in general, men and women are educated, you know, by the opinions of manners of the society they live in. And my hope is that we will both be educated by a society that really believes in the support and upholding of both men and women in a way that celebrates cooperation and collaboration, not competition and collusion. Luckily, we have amazing proponents driving that mission of this awakened society like Reagan and others who are creating quality event experiences like WIA that facilitate just that. That's it for today. Hop on over to leahpeka.com slash 054 to register for the Women in Analytics Conference today. I can't wait to see you there. Namaste and namaga. And that's a wrap. Yay! Oh, that was so fun. Ah, okay. Let me uh, let me try to think fast. Um, So fun. Telling you, we should talk after this. (laughs) Oh shoot! There was like one major tip I was actually going to publish. It was so good. Oh yeah. Okay.